Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. Uh, you were talking about the exhibit you had, uh, not to give away too much story, but like the uh, back piece, uh, the battle jacket uh, art with... Uh, All the colors of the dark. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> God, I was trying not to, to backpedal too much, but you know. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, thought so it was a cool story. We live in a storefront here in South St. Louis. Uh-huh. I have a property and uh, my studio's down there. And there was a printmaking conference that was coming to town. And I reached out to like Mark Riddick, David Devandria, Eric Roper. Uh, all these Justin Bartlett, all these people mm-hmm. that are really well known for doing metal art, mm-hmm. and everyone I reached out to said yeah, and uh, they mm-hmm. and uh, almost all the work didn't have any sort of band logo on it or anything like that. It was just strictly about the work. It was all printmaking. I, I'll, I'll admit I have a good friend of mine that writes for Decibel Magazine, and. Mm-hmm he was able to persuade them to include that on their website. And we had people coming down from Chicago and shit. Nice. And yeah. Justin Bartlett. Uh, you, you guys know him? Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with some of his where he's about the only one on that list though. Honestly, that, that you mentioned that I, okay. that I can say I can put, you know, a name to. Yeah. Okay. He has this really famous image of this like weird fucked up goat. And uh, he was like, I want to make these giant back patches. Uh, and so I came up with Holy Mountain Printing. I don't know if you guys know who they are. They're this printing company that they do a lot of metal T-shirts and stuff like that. And they uh-huh. work with some of the bands I've worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. And he created these 12 giant back patches with this goat. And we took a whole wall and made an upside down cross on it. Uh, with, with these uh, back patches, and they all sold. And he was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, so I mean, it was a crazy show. It was a great show, but uh, I had I had patches made even with the my awful nice logo that said all the colors of the dark on it, and I had all these patches. <laughs> you know, and it was like straight up old school metal kind of shit. Yeah, looking at your stuff too, just on like your Instagram and things that you have there. And like you, you mentioned briefly though, you've got a you've got a gallery there. Of course, COVID, I'm sure, fucked with that over the last year to no avail. But uh, man, I really want to get up there and check that shit out. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, you sculpt as well. You're, a lot of the sculptures yours that I saw on your Insta. Yep, those are all uh, probably what you're looking at is mostly cast sculptures, uh, cast and clays. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have a kiln in the basement. What I did is I bought a bunch of old action figures from the 60s, and I took them apart and then made molds of all the various and then re-put them together. And then I've also been taking a lot of this slip cast kind of stuff that your grandma would do Hmm. and then kind of of fucking those up too. So, yeah, like I said, my master's is in ceramics, so that's kind of where I tend to go. Oh, okay. But I have a pretty strong background in 2D. There was a time uh, pre-COVID and things like that. I mean, 
COVID really kind of fucked me up in this weird way. You would think, oh, an artist, he can take all this time and he can make stuff and all this stuff. And yeah. I was fortunate. I was able to continue to work through <laughs> the COVID thing. And I would come home and I'd do the dishes and make dinner. Yeah, I just didn't feel like making. I, I hear you though. That's I mean, that's how we all kind of you know some of us. Yeah, we we've talked about that with guests a lot. That it's like there seems to be you know just kind of a split two different kinds of people. Either either they use that opportunity just to become super prolific and well, now I've got this free time to buckle down on my work, or other people were just like fuck, I have no inspiration because I'm you know I'm just trying to hang on without yeah. you know. I'm, 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 I agree. I'm sort of in that latter camp, you know, with the exception of this podcast, which has been great. Just to have an outlet to talk to people and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it's been, yeah, kind of a lifesaver for me. Yeah. Saving grace, just be able to keep conversations and hang out with folks and meet folks you never have when otherwise that'd be impossible. You know, as a coincidence, a guy that used to live about a block up the street from me, he used to store his motorcycle in my garage uh-huh. He's an artist, and it was great because we could have art talks and kind of, you know, lean on each other and stuff like that about, you know, not getting stuff done, getting stuff done, what we think is bullshit about the art world, blah, 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 blah. All right. He was like, I built a motorcycle. <laughs> 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 he was like fuck it nice. I, he's like have you been working and i said fuck no and he's yeah. like i built a motorcycle he's like that's what really kept me going he's like i didn't care about making art i didn't care about anything like that his spouse is a pretty you know uh she's very active in the art scene and stuff like that and he was like all i wanted to do is he turned his studio basically into a shop <laughs> and he just yeah basically yeah. built this motorcycle yeah. from the ground up. I mean, he has the capabilities to do that. He was just like, all I wanted to do is just build this motorcycle. I didn't give a fuck. I also wanted to mention a Matt. Kobe is also the uh, uh, head curator at the Transportation Museum in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I love that place, man. Honestly, I thought it was kind of funny in mention the other night. I was like, you know, I've probably seen you there as many times as I've been there because I love all the all the museums that are in St. Louis. And that's that's one that I really dig, too. Well, I'm one of two long-haired freaks that are walking around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right on. The other guy, uh, he's the maintenance supervisor. He used to work with me, uh, but now he's doing something else. He's a great dude. He's way younger, so it's really hard for me sometimes to, like, I don't want to say hold my tongue. Yeah. But uh, he he's young. Yeah, he's the age of <laughs> our child. But, <laughs> but he's yeah. in the, He's into metal and stuff like that, and which is great. You know, we really bond. Actually, I look at him as a little brother, for sure. Cool. Nice. Have you listened to Sun much? I have. Uh, my favorite song is that one that goes, you know, for six hours. Um. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen him live? No. no. And I think that would be... I think that would be the better experience. Just kind of that ambient. And I've seen, I've seen you know, video of them playing live, but uh, it looks like one of you're in it, you know? Wait until it, like, knocks you on your chest until you can't even, like, move. Right. But, I mean, it's not something I like, throw on all the time. Right. They have an album called Black One. Mm -hmm. And on the back of the album, it says, for maximum enjoyment, play at maximum volume. And 
I had these, I had a really kick-ass receiver and these really nice audiophile speakers. Mm. And they started smoking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, keyword had. Yeah. Had. Not so much I do like putting them on, though. I mean, as far as ambient, you know, yeah. um, ambient yeah. TV shit, I, I like that. But, yeah. Black one is the one I usually tend to go to because it's oh, yeah. be a little bit more heavy or whatever. And yeah. uh, my speakers literally started smoking. Wow. <laughs> I took them to a speaker repair shop and they said, were you listening to a lot of bass? Like, <laughs> Chris, they were talking to like bass. <laughs> I said, well, kind of. Kind of. They said the, the magnet is fused to like something else. <laughs> and they were like, there's no way we're ever going to repair these. And yeah. so when I saw Sun here, I was standing in line waiting for a beer and Stephen O'Malley or one of the other dudes was behind me in line and I said, Hey, I just wanted to share this with you You guys told me that for maximum enjoyment, I had to listen to it maximum volume (laughs) and uh, the black one smoked one. And he was was like, what? And I said, yeah, it actually uh, fused my speaker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I was listening to it loud. I mean, I was. It, it yeah. wasn't like I was like playing. I was like on a Friday night after I'd had a bunch of beers, shit, right. and it was like, I mean, it was loud. And uh, he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." He's like apologizing and shit. And I'm like, "No, <laughs> you shouldn't have listened to he us. Told me, you he told me, and he, he thought it was funny. He's like, I'm so sorry." And I'm like, "No, that's all right. You just ruined uh, the speakers." <laughs> Yeah. Sort of like learning that lesson. I've just been trying to learn to play guitar for the last couple of years. It's like, you know, don't say, hey, let's see what this amp can do. <laughs> uh, you know, when you start, <laughs> just, you know, slowly ramp up to see what your amp will do before you crack and fry it. Oh, yeah. mine. I ran a big muff through this little crate, like a 12, <laughs> and it's just, it's done. Uh-huh. It almost, it, I do have this like tiny honey tone, you know, those like belt. Uh, sized amps, and I almost want to hook that big muff into it just to see what will <laughs> happen because <laughs> the pedal is bigger than the speaker. Well, what was, what was crazy is this amp that I bought. Heather bought it for me for my birthday. It was this Onkyo, and it had a really uh, uh, preamp for phono in it, and mm. it cranked. It cranked, and it was clean as hell. Huh. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to play a fucking clean uh, black one through this. And not a good idea. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the shop. You let me learn. <laughs> right on. It's funny. He was so apologetic. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> yeah. care. I thought, actually, I thought he would take it as like a badge of, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, be proud of it. Well, he probably well, He just didn't want it to look like a dick, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right. and, that, and he probably doesn't know what kind of person you are or how you could react right. like like you're getting ready to serve him with a lawsuit <laughs> here's the bill asshole let's take it outside yeah. Yeah. not at all actually I just thought they would, they would love it they heard they fucking melted my speaker yeah. <laughs> they probably did yeah nah. so what's drawing your interest nowadays it seems like you just kind of find new interest and I think that's awesome uh, I'm just curious what's kind of Picking your curiosity lately. Well, you were telling me about some St. Louis bands, uh, especially a couple of them. Let's bring those guys up. Okay. Fister, 
uh, I dig Lion's Daughter. I'll talk about yep. that one a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was very fortuitous when we moved here from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Back in the MySpace days, we were moving here from Tucson, and I kind of wanted to see where, because by then I was already listening to a lot of metal again. And I was like kind of wanting to know what to expect, I guess, or what would be cool or, or whatever. And I found weird myspace page for this band called black troll okay and it was the most whacked out since drug laden fucking black metal <laughs> that i had heard like not ever but you know i was like intrigued <laughs> and so i contacted them and uh we continue to have some sort of dialogue for a good while and come to find out that it was eventually Kenny from Fister before Fister okay. before Fister was together. <laughs> so we had already struck up a friendship, and then the neighborhood that we live in now has become extremely gentrified. When we first moved here, it wasn't so much, and you had the freaks that lived in the neighborhood. Fortunately, the singer for the Lion's Daughter lived next door, and the guitar player lived next door to us. (laughs) Crazy. And then he lived with some other guys that were all in bands. And I could tell that they were in bands because there was always a a van with a trailer behind it. And she's like, Mm -hmm. this isn't my first rodeo. And I, I knew that they were, you know, bands were staying with them and shit like that. And I went out one day. Uh, we had this major snowstorm and uh, I, I kept hearing someone shoveling our stoop mm-hmm. and I walked out and I thought, well, fuck, I should probably help them if they're shoveling ours. And there was this guy who was shoveling and we, we started shoveling. He's like, oh yeah, I'm in a band. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah. and you, you hear that all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he turned out to be in this band called Live by Mistake. And look him up. Okay. They actually toured like the world, like Japan and shit like that. And mm-hmm. he's like, hey, I got the CD. I'll give it to you. And then it's kind of like some of those tech bands that were pre converge. It was very proggy, very tight, very heavy. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh, you're in a real band. <laughs> Next time. <Yeah. laughs> he, he was living with Rick from Lion's Daughter before Lion's Daughter was the thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started hanging out with Rick, too, because Tony, he was like, dude, our neighbor's fucking rad. Because he was like, yeah, shoveling snow. He's like, so who's some of your favorite bands? And I was like, well, I like Neurosis. He's like, fuck, you know Neurosis? <laughs> <laughs> and so then I slowly creeped into Rick's inner circle, I guess, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And they started doing uh, Lion's Daughter. They were all friends with the Fister dudes. Mm-hmm. So they asked me if I would be interested in doing their first cover. And I did. And that's kind of how I got into the metal scene. And it worked out great because it was a click that was a click I was interested in getting involved with. I mean, within the metal scene, there's some really some stupid clicks. And these guys were guys that I wanted to be friends with and work with. 
and things like that. And uh, I'd already been working on these series of drawings uh, called In Their Master's Blood for Days. <laughs> okay. It was basically a king figure and his minions fighting off a pack of dogs that turned on him. Uh-huh. I said, what about this? And I said, what about And Their Master's Blood for Days? And they were like, fuck, dude, that's like pretty hardcore. That is hardcore. <laughs> and it's pretty brutal. And so that was the first cover I did for Fister's Line Daughter Split. Hmm. Then uh, I did a bunch of covers for Fister after that. And then I did a cover, a bunch of covers actually for the Lion's Daughter. And I did a a, a tour t-shirt. They're, Lion's Daughter is now signed the Season of Mist. I mean, so they're not like some fucking shitty band right yeah you sent me that uh that stream of their uh news is like wow that album sounds just amazing the production on that just sounds amazing that's their new kind of thing they the last yeah. they put out uh started dabbling with that weird john carpenter kind of synthesizer uh, okay yeah and then they really kind of took it to the next level on this new album I mean, they're in the new decibel. I mean, they're going places, but I'm sure it helps that they're signed to Season of Mist. Right. And uh, they, they they did another really kick-ass album. I'll send you a link to it uh, with this folk band. Hmm. And it is totally amazing. Uh, they bring these folk elements into like this just like heavy sludge sound. Uh, so they're always kind of like reaching out and trying to do different things. But then I there's another band that was from here called black fast and uh they were on the same label as high on fire they're like this black and thrash but these guys are just nuts and they're like young and they're just full of fire but now they broke up and one of the members from black fast is now in lion's daughter He's a good friend, and uh, Rick already said this guy is like already like changing the band. And then there's another band uh, from here called Railhazer that I did the artwork from or for. You know, it just it was it was good to have these little projects that yeah. Yeah. you know would like you know they would say, hey, can you do some artwork? And it would force me to have a deadline to where I would have to, you know, it would force me to walk, go down to my studio and work for three or four hours a night <laughs> in work. The ongoing joke with Heather and I, though, is that I was the artist for their first album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the new Lion's Daughter shit, they hooked up with this Belgian couple that, like, I don't remember, John, that, that if you remember the cover on that, those those are nuts, though, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, at first, I was kind of like a little butthurt that they weren't asking oh, me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, Rick had always told me I was going to be like their artist. Mm-hmm. I realized they needed to move on, and I'm not butthurt anymore. Yeah. But at first, I was kind of like, well, you always told me I was going to be your cover art. <laughs> You're right. You know. Right, and you know more power to them because they're they're doing things, and that was that's a different stage in their career. 
Right. And don't think about it as moving on necessarily, just kind of moving around, you know, because you got to keep things changing up and you got to keep, you know, give other people opportunities and shit like that. And just change your own shit around every once in a while. And hell, maybe they'll come back to you on the next one. You know? Well, it was funny. They were going on tour and Rick uh, emailed me and he's like, hey, I want you to do a concert t shirt for us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this has been years ago. And I said, what do you want? And he's like, I don't care as long as it's fucked up. and so i created this huge eyeball in the middle of the t-shirt where this like weird demon witch is chopping her way through an axe (laughs) (laughs) all this like ooze is flying all over and everything he's like you want it fucked up okay i'll fuck it up i mean i'm not going to get into like some misogynist bullshit or anything like that right and he was like, yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. That'll work. Yeah, my only regret is they didn't print it on baseball jer- jerseys. Uh, <laughs> it would have been a fucking badass baseball jersey. Where's the good place to like check out some of your shit? Yeah, let's plug that. My website is shut down. Uh, we hired a guy to do our website, and he used pirate software. Oh, great. Uh, That's nice. Thought too, after we paid him a bunch of money for it. So the best place to probably find most of my art at a fingertip is on Instagram at Awful Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. I mean, that's what I was browsing through to get familiar with you. Man, of course, I love it all. It's right up my alley. uh, Everybody check that out. So when you, you know, when this uh, shit cuts loose, is your gallery going to be back open to the public or is it just something you kind of? It's never been open to the public. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Basically, it's out of our house. All right. And that makes it hard, doesn't it? We live in a storefront that was built in 1907. It was originally a bakery. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we live upstairs, and the downstairs mm-hmm. is my studio space. And I converted half of that studio space into a gallery space that lighting. Right on. That. And so what I typically do is I have kind of what I deem open houses. So if we have a special event, then it might be open like Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday or Mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, I mean, it's pretty punk rock. Right. And I have, you know, I have an exhibit, you know, whatever's going on there, but it's pretty punk rock. I Mm. I would love to check that out. Yeah. I don't keep it open to the public like on regular hours and we haven't done anything for probably a couple of years now as far as a gallery space because mm. i use the gallery space as my studio space when i need to stretch out in there and then we when we have exhibits i mean they're professional looking and things like that mm-hmm. it's not like it's showing stuff in someone's garage by any means i mean it's very very professional i just don't keep it open to the public <laughs> all right yeah I'd love to get on that list, man. If you ever over here, just let me know. And incorporated with my gallery space is a one-bedroom studio apartment that uh, has its own bathroom and bedroom and refrigerator and all that stuff. And, you know, before this whole pandemic hit, I hosted bands here all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the different promoters kind of knew that here in town and you know i was pretty particular about who i wanted to stay here i didn't want to have some 
idiots staying here. Right. But, you know, going back in time, we've, we've hosted a ton of bands mm-hmm. that, that have stayed here. And what was really fun is we hosted an environment that we gave them food. Yeah, we gave them food. Mm-hmm. They'd come over. Like we had one band play the Friday after Thanksgiving. We did a second Thanksgiving dinner. Nice. You know, and these bands dig that for sure. And that's how you kind of meet people. And we've met some really great friends that have stayed here. Yeah. Um, well, I'll bring you dinner, man. Sure. Uh, you don't have to make me a Thanksgiving meal. And my wife makes a good Toscana soup, great lasagnas, good Italian food. Bring some of that shit. Not Italian, but she's a great cook. Well, what's funny is like all these bands, they'll show up at like two in the morning. Yeah. And on a Friday night, be like, fuck, I'm starving. And I'll be like, <laughs> hey, yeah, I bet. I'll find something for you because I want to be a good host. You know, right. I won't tear out your walls or shoot your TVs or anything. <laughs> I just want to come see your art and pick your braids somewhere, man. So that'd be great. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and getting the nickel tour at the Transportation Museum. Uh we'll hear about some of those artifacts. Yeah. Anytime. Like I said, I've been the, the curator at the National Museum of Transportation for fourteen years. I've actually been there for fourteen years. I've been the curator for about thirteen to twelve years. Wow. Ooh. Yep, that's my that's my day gig, and I can't complain. No, nah, I bet you there's quite a few stories with that. We'll have to come back around sometime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, have you back on. We can just bullshit sometimes about other things, too, besides making it interviewee. Well, I hope this was uh, what you guys were expecting or whatevs. Oh, absolutely, man. Great story. We rarely have any set expectations. We just kind of like to see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Well. And it went somewhere, yeah. so we accomplished that. Well, some are great. Like I said, when I when I was talking to uh, John, I was like, I don't know what you guys want from some fifty three year old dude about talking about music, but you guys got it. That's our jam. That <laughs> <laughs> is. That's what we do. We're we're right there. You know, we just like to talk to people. And yeah, you've had an interesting life, man. Yeah, you're a perfect fit. Well, good. I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. Nah. Why would you? It seems like it's worked out pretty well. Yep, yep. You want to hear a funny story? Can I t- can I share you a funny story real quick? Uh-huh. So when we were living in Manhattan, mm-hmm. I had read in the back of a magazine that Carcass was supposed to be playing in Wichita. Mm-hmm. Story. Yeah, this is a good story. So, <laughs> so you guys are you guys know who Carcass is, right? Yeah, yeah. So. I had read in the back of this magazine that Carcass was supposed to be playing in Wichita. And you can never go by whether that's true or false back then. Right. You know, and so on a whim, we drove down to Wichita. Yeah, that's not a short drive from from Manhattan. No, it was about a two-hour drive. (laughs) And it was on their Heartworks tour. And we decided... I was very clean cut at the time because of my job and things like that. And I wore a white tennis vest and white tennis shorts <laughs> with white <laughs> tennis. And what could go wrong? And Heather dressed appropriately like that too. And we found out that this carcass concert was going to be at some biker clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on. 
<laughs> and so we got there and I went up to the door and I said, Is Carcass playing tonight? And they said, Yes, they are. Oh. And, and I ten dollars. And I, I said I said, Okay, well we would like to see Carcass. And they said, Are you sure that you're at the place that you want? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this is kind of like this weird performance art thing on our part, you know, just to kind of, yeah. I mean, of course, I knew who Carcass was. I knew all that shit. Uh-huh. And this biker at the door was like, are you sure you want to be here? <laughs> They're like, yeah. Just trying to look out for you, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We want to be here. We just drove two hours to see Carcass. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. We just drove down to see carcass and he was like okay and he took our money and there was no seats or anything like that it was like this weird like concrete block building like with nothing (sighs) they had these like folding chairs and this kid jumped off the chair and completely took my wife to the floor (gasps) and (laughs) (laughs) and he was like I'm sorry, ma'am. <laughs> like, That's okay, son. Yeah. <laughs> but that was actually one of the most fun concerts to go to. I mean, I know, yeah, we were fucking with him because we didn't look like we should be there and shit like that. We look, literally mm-hmm. looked like Ken and Barbie. Right. I, th- I think they should figure out, though, if you're asking and the band's name is Carcass, you know. <laughs> and you know. It's yeah. not like you're confusing one Barry Manilow with a different <laughs> Barry Manilow. Right. You know, at the very least, you know that. <laughs> so and when, I, when I told the dude, he was like, are you sure you want to be here? And I said, dude, I just drove two and a half hours. I was to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty fucking fair. I thought you guys would appreciate it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I was wearing like this white, like V-neck <laughs> tennis vest <laughs> with like these shorts and like these white canvas tennis shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, we're here to see Marcus. Uh, all you needed was a sweater tied around your neck. <laughs> was everything still white when you got home? I don't remember. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could almost think that would be a work of art in itself, just the after. Yeah. I did that with Guar. I made sure to wear white when I went to go see Guar, just to see what would happen to my clothes. <laughs> so have you seen Guar? Yeah, I met Deep Rocky, too, many years ago. It was really a super nice guy, very smart guy. It was a wonderful show. Um, got to hang out with him for talk for a good long time. That was back at, what was that, Club 124 or whatever on the square in Springfield? Yeah. Uh, oh, they actually played Springfield? Yeah, they did. Holy shit. Yeah. You'd be surprised some of the shows that blew through Springfield. Oh, yeah. Well, that's funny that you know Billy Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. He went to college there, so. Okay, because I know Billy through Matt, the guy who was in Mental Crisis. Mm, Okay. Okay. Well, Casey, yeah. And Dirt Nap completely appropriated in some ways Germbox. Germbox, that's what you're telling me, yeah. Yeah. Huh. But I know Billy. I mean, I mean, it's just a small scene, and you know, mm-hmm. and that whole thing. But yeah, I'll send you some more links of some of the, like if if you dug that Quitters Club shit. Quitters Club, yeah, I really did. That's pretty fucking heavy, man. Yeah, I got to show that show that for sure. And the singer for Quitters Club was also the singer for Germbox. Oh, okay. 
Okay. And they opened it up for like Fugazi and all yeah. sorts of shit. I mean, back. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Matt has been a very uh, involved person. And as I mentioned earlier, he taught me how to run a band mm-hmm. of like going and like sending shit off and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's hardcore. And she, he and I share death metal links daily. Yeah. Yeah. And we're both in our 50s. Hey. Well, I hope we can continue that. You know, I sure will. I don't see why it stopped now. Shit, I'm getting old enough. So you're asking me what I listen to now. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a band called Blood Incantation? I'm not. No, I'm not familiar. They're fucking badass. Uh, another band called Swamp Mold. Nope, not familiar. Okay, yeah, I'll send you links. Now, uh, now you did tell me, I was sharing a couple with you the other night, you did tell me you'd heard of Dungeon Weed. Did you get a chance to listen to that record? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that just a minute ago. Yeah, two-piece group. That's uh, uh, Chris McGrew plays drum, played drums for a band called Griddle okay. in San Francisco years ago. That's worth checking out, too. Yeah, very different genres, but, uh, you know, and he works at uh, Wally's, Wally's Hideout. The studio. The studio is one of the head mixers there. Played music a long time. Um, Dimitri Mavra, singer and guitar player uh, for Dungeon Weed. They've got another record coming out. Very soon. I guess it's cut, isn't it? I think they're finished with it. They just got to tie up the loose ends. Yeah, loose ends, put it out. Well, I dug that shit that you, got, that you sent from that band from Topeka. Oh, Unmerciful? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Justin. Uh, Justin. He's a good guy. Payne, too. Yeah, very nice guy. Just super down to earth. And he's been on the show. Uh, Justin Payne, which is his real name. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, really super nice guy. I want to have him back on the show. They've got that one. Uh, there's another album, Unmercifully Beaten, they did that, uh, yeah, I really dug as well. Yeah, they're they're really fucking good. And the lead singer of that group uh, has a print shop, too, there in Topeka. Reliant Apparel, that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Do some great print work. They've, uh, Kelly Bowers there, shout out to her. Helped me create some of the you know, t-shirts that we have for the show and things like that. So, yeah, we're, we're always accepting dandy McCandy designs as kind of our little mascot. Oh yeah. If you ever get bored and you want to throw one out, <laughs> seven did an awesome one for us. Speaking of, you sent me sevens. Yeah. Okay. We've had a couple of, I, I sketched one and we've got the one that my kid did a long time ago from the story. Uh, Adam Casto did one. Adam Casto from Nerd Table did a couple of things. And I just like having, we kind of collect them in all different styles, you know? We think it's great. Maybe on Saturday afternoon, I'll go down and knock one out and send it to you. That'd be awesome. Would be awesome. Oh, I'd love that. It's, it's like I said, we can't call it fan art. No, friend it's art. Friend art. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we love just seeing what people's different interpretations of that. You know, incarnations of that mascot will be give you a link to the origin story. Yeah, that was crazy. About probably about seventeen or eighteen years ago, I discovered all these like one metal, one band, uh, black metal artists. Oh, uh-huh. and so I discovered like this uh, Zather and Leviathan and Nort and all this stuff. And that was what really got me back into listening to metal again. <laughs> you know, that now there's a ton of these one man black. Right. 
but uh, back then, I mean, the, I was reading about them, and I was like, holy shit, one metal, one band, one member right. metal band, you know, and yeah. it, it sounded different. There was just something different about it, and that's what really got me back into listening to metal. Mm-hmm. And I really turned back since. From there, I was just like, you know what? I grew up listening to metal. I listened to metal, and now I'm kind of just listening to metal. Yeah. If you want to listen to some interesting one-man noise stuff, uh, check out Reptoid. Reptoid, yes. Jordan Solu, he's uh, he's a drummer, but he, like, Everything that he hooks up on his on his drums are all triggers that are related to you know other instruments and sounds. He also sings while he drums. He's got like this gas max like rig that he wears on his face in order to accomplish that. And his just array is crazy. Uh, he's been on the show before. Yeah, but the name of the uh, record is uh, and I can see a link. Uh, Worship false gods. Reptoid. Conan Neutron turned us on to him. He's been on the show. Oh, it's just incredible. And he's a one man act. And can carry all that over live. It's not just like, you know, just something that's been pre-recorded. And Right. He's he's a mad scientist for sure. Yeah. If he doesn't like the way a pedal sounds, he'll just fucking take it apart and re-engineer it. And uh, he does all that work as well. It's not just sound engineering. It's, it's hardware engineering. He figures out how everything works. Uh, and just really, yeah. There was another black metal band that stayed with us. They were touring with this one guy. His I, I just know by his real name, Mike Michael Engel. Mm-hmm. He's doing the same thing, and he's creating his own instruments. Yeah, where he has like these steel things that are all like miked and stuff like that, and it, it's not so. Yeah, it's not so. More power to all of that. Oh yeah, are you familiar with uh, that one guy? That one guy is what he goes by. Yeah. Uh, Mike Silverman out of uh, San Francisco. He he played, uh, he was in the Deli Creeps um, around that kind of Bungle Primus era. Okay. Back then, a Bay Area uh, music. But yeah, he invented this thing. We've had him, he was like one of our first guests that I wanted to track down for the show and got just a couple guests in. The Magic Pipe. And oh man, the Magic Pipe. I mean, it's like he uh, had to have one. He, kind of designed invented itself but it's sort of this pvc instrument set up on and it's based on the structure of a a standing bass basically because that's what what his original instrument was he's played with uh tom waits uh is recorded with a bunch of people but you know it's a trigger based also you know on foot pedal based instrument he created a pvc pipe and all these sort of weird it just structural things. He lost one at one time too. It didn't get stolen. Yeah. Had no idea. He had a friend who like, that he figured out a guy who worked through NASA to help him re-engineer it. And it took him years. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Check out that one guy. Yeah. Frankenstein brothers, uh, like uh buckethead yeah, project. Buckethead. Yeah. You did a thing with buckethead. Well, I know that like a couple of days ago, you posted something about uh sleepy gorilla time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been around the same era, yeah. And uh, that friend of mine, Matt, who was in Mental Crisis, he's like, fuck, they were like off the fucking charts. Oh, I fucking love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to get a hold of Nils um, from the band ever since we started this. And I even know a few people out there are like, yeah, I know him. I'll talk to him, see if 
Like, okay, uh, fingers crossed, that'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, I fucking I love SGM. One of my big all time favorites. You know who I saw in Seattle that were really great was uh, Thinking Man Feller. Do you know who they are? <sighs> I don't. I don't. I don't think I do. I don't think I do either. Thinking Man's Feller eight two eight two. I think is what they're called. Hmm. And they were part of that whole scene. I think. Yeah. Are you familiar with Bomb? Yes. Yeah. And Bomb. <laughs> Yeah, they all play. <laughs> I hear a fan in the background. Yeah, to see Bomb back then was just fucking absolutely nuts. Yeah. And it reminds me of what you just described. That's the only reason I brought that up. Yeah. Nice. They they must have, like, been passing shoulders. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's crazy how much of those guys up there, just, I mean, as big of a city as, you know, San Francisco is. So many of them know each other and working around each other in some capacity for years. Yep. All right, man. You got to come back on. You absolutely do. And we got to talk some more. All right. Uh, shit. And I got to come to St. Louis to come see you, man. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I really want to see some of that artwork up close and personal. For sure. That's how, that's how I dig it. And I can give you the uh, 25 cent tour of the museum. Ooh, there you go. Excellent. That, that must be better than the nickel tour. It is. But anyway, everybody, you've been listening. To undetermine the podcast with special guest Kobe Ellison. Yes. Kobe, thanks for coming on, man. We had a great time getting to know you and yeah, some great stories. Everybody have a fantastic week and hope you enjoyed the show. Please like listen, share all that stuff and uh appreciate <laughs> you. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.